You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Welcome to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, founder of Agape Moms, and I'm really happy that you could join me today. Here on the podcast, we emphasize discovering you on the journey through. And what that means is I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose. And I believe that she can do it through the things that God is carrying her through in her season as a single mom. Today on the podcast, we're touching on kind of a touchy subject, and it's beauty. And I know that for many of us, there's kind of a bunch of triggers around this subject, and it's difficult for us to embrace it, I think, as women, no matter what. And then when you go through some kind of a breakup of a significant relationship, like, that's the worst. It just puts every imperfection that you feel that you have on display, and it's so challenging to deal with this subject. And if I look at my own situation and my own experience with this, I have carried around this feeling of being this awkward seventh grader my entire life. I always knew when people would compliment me, they would talk about things like how smart I was or how funny I was and I didn't get a lot of compliments about my looks. And so what that told me was, I must not have any. I must not be worth looking at. And so I started to believe these lies. And as I entered into my high school years, I did experiment with makeup a little bit, but I just figured I wasn't very much to look at. And what that did was I clung to a toxic relationship to give me validation. And in the midst of that toxic relationship, though, this whole thing continued to spiral out of control where I didn't feel like I wanted to be seen anymore. I felt like I just wanted to hide. And my grandmother gave me this photo on Christmas Day that I had actually given her several years ago. And it's a picture of me and my kids and my grandfather. And in this photo, it's me probably about seven years ago. And I have this really frizzy, undone hair, really thick bangs that are hiding like half of my face. And I'm wearing glasses that are too big and not wearing any makeup. And I have this smile that's really a forced smile. And I look at that picture and I just see this woman who wanted nobody to look at her or notice her at all. And it's interesting because in my healing journey, I've had to come to grips with that. And I've also, though, been able to embrace all of what beauty is. It's not just the way that we appear, but all of this giftedness and uniqueness that God's put inside of us. And as I have embraced that, I've been able to embrace kind of this whole package of myself. And it's really fascinating because as I've gone through this, there's actually an author who's written on this very subject. Elisa Morgan's been on the podcast before, and I'm excited to welcome her back. Elisa wrote a book called Hello Beautiful. And in this book, she talks about how to embrace all of those various parts of us so that maybe we're not identifying with those lies anymore, but that we can see our beauty as God sees it. Elisa does a fantastic job also of correcting our understanding of beauty, and showing how then we can live a more full life, the life that God has intended for us when we can see ourselves properly. 
You know, and when we don't see ourselves the way that God sees us, it causes us all kinds of problems in our lives and in our relationships. And we just have this unfulfilled sense of loneliness that follows us around. And so what I've done over at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz is I have created a quiz called What's Your Loneliness Type? Loneliness is something that we all experience in a somewhat different way. They have different root causes and then what we do in response is different. So when you take this quiz, you have the ability to identify what your patterns are and then start on a journey to change it. So if you'd like to take the quiz and it takes just a couple of minutes, go over to agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. As I mentioned, Elisa has been here on the podcast before, but if you missed that episode, which I highly recommend you go back to, I want to tell you a little bit about her. Elisa Morgan was named by Christianity Today as one of the top 50 women influencing today's church and culture, and she is one of today's most sought-after authors, speakers, and leaders. She speaks internationally to all audiences on a myriad of topics. Elisa received a bachelor's from the University of Texas and a master's in divinity from Denver Seminary, where she now serves on the board. For 20 years, Elisa Morgan also served as CEO of Mops International. Elisa is married to Evan, who is the founder and president of Our Daily Bread University, and they've been married for over 40 years. They have two grown children and two grandchildren who live near them, near Denver, Colorado. Whenever I talk to Elisa, she always inspires me because she has just so much authenticity and realness about what we are dealing with in life, but she's able to also carve through all of that to show us where the light is and where the healing is at. And I know that you will experience that in this conversation as well. Here's my conversation with Elisa Morgan. Elisa, I want to thank you for joining in with me again today. I'm really very happy to have you here to talk about this subject of seeing ourselves rightly and seeing ourselves as the way God sees us, because I think it's a major issue that a lot of us just as women face, but then certainly as a woman who's had trauma and tragedy in her life, that this is something that we're confronted smack in the face with. And your thoughts on this, I think are so critical because that uniqueness and that beauty and all that God put into us when he created us, so often we lose sight of that and we're not able to see those things if we first don't understand how God sees us. Mm. So I want to know if you'll start off this conversation by helping us to understand why we're not able to see ourselves very often the way that God sees us and what we are missing out on because we don't. Thanks, Michelle, and it is awesome to be with you and to be with your listeners and to share this journey because, as you can tell, we're of different generations. And you know, whether you're in Michelle's generation or way younger or my generation or way older, it's a core issue: our identity as women and how God sees us versus how we typically see ourselves. I think for me, as I've looked at it and boy processed it through a zillion layers of therapy, just to be honest too, I think the issue is that we're broken people, you know, Adam and Eve fell and broke. We've all fallen and broken um, in the garden, if you will, in that beautiful story in Genesis, the first three chapters, we see God creating 
creation and humankind, male and female, in his image, imago dei, which means in the image of God. And then we see choices to push against God and humankind falls and breaks. And as a result of our choice against God, which is to basically push him out and say, I know how to be God better than you, <laughs> which we all do all the time. It, there are consequences. There are things like death. There are things like struggle in the male-female relationship, um, the sweaty work of the brow that we must go through in order to survive. But while there are these drastic consequences for our brokenness, we have assumed one consequence that is a lie. We assume that when we choose against God, that he chooses against us. We assume that God stops loving us. And the reality is, I think another consequence of the fall is actually we develop a huge struggle in experiencing God's love for us. We absorb the lie that he doesn't love us anymore. And those lies can get rooted so early on in our lives. And I found in my own experience that it wasn't even necessarily always things that were said to me about myself that were not true. It was the absence of truth spoken to me, mm -hmm. where in that void, I filled it in by starting to believe things. So for example, especially as we're going to be talking about beauty in this conversation, I never really considered myself a particularly beautiful person. And I didn't really have other people that were saying to me, you are beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so I then assume, well, if I'm not hearing this, then it must be that I'm ugly. Yeah. It must be that I'm not beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then the choices that we make that come out of that insecurity that's based around those lies have lifelong consequences, but we're not at the mercy of it. We can do something about it. But as you're talking about the garden though, those lies that we believe you actually in the book, Hello Beautiful, call that the hiss. Yeah. And I think that that's so critical because Eve so early in that garden was deceived as well. And so I'd like to know if you would talk about the hiss and how those lies then often show up in our own mm. self-talk. Yeah, this is the story in Genesis 1 through 3 again, if you want to go grab it. Um, actually, one of the ways that God helped pop this understanding into my heart was I was reading Sally Lloyd-Jones, the Jesus Storybook Bible to my grandson. Mm, my he was like three or four. <laughs> I know. Every mm -hmm. one of us should read that like all day, every day. It's just- It's foundational for theology, I feel like. <laughs> it is. It is. The subtitle is every story whispers his name. And, and that is so true because the whole arc of scripture tells the story of God's love for us and our pushing against him and then his rescue of us from our choices. But when I was reading um, just in the, the first part of the Jesus Storybook Bible, the way Sally expresses it, she's a dear friend now, uh, is she talked about how the serpent, the snakes, slithered up to Eve and whispered, does God really not want you to eat of the fruit of this tree? You know, just evil like that. And she struggled and, and she finally, she reached for the fruit. And the way Sally interprets it is she writes this line, suddenly, suddenly Eve didn't know anymore. Did God really love her? 
And I think that's the the core lie is this question of, well, does God really love me? You know, if I'm not hearing I'm beautiful for people the way you're just describing it, Michelle, if I don't look in the mirror and see a reflection of beauty, if I, if I don't have others who are encouraging and validating, then I'm going to believe a hiss, a, a lie. And to be honest, when you start tuning into your life, I bet you bucks, there's this white noise that goes on in the background of all of our days. I remember one time making a list of all my ugly. You know, I just, I felt so awful about myself that I just grabbed a piece of paper and I started writing down thing after thing after thing of selfish and all about myself and not willing to share, controlling, manipulative, you know, just, I kept writing down these, these incidences and I would allow those things to define me. And here's the thing is that, yes, God adores us. Yes, we push against him, but he doesn't leave us that way. And so he provides a, a counter voice, if you will, to the hiss, that if we start identifying the hiss and what it says about us, then we can learn to think about ourselves differently. But but it takes a while to, to figure out what are those hissy comments that we're believing and you know, I have, besides my list, you know, when I put them out into a sentence, it'll be things like, oh, God loves everybody. Of course he does, except me, because I'm the one big exception to his love. Because do you know what I did just yesterday, or just, by the way, this morning, how I lost it? Or, or I think, once I really dig down and I think, well, maybe God does really love me, but I'm kind of afraid of that kind of intense love. I haven't had good experiences with that in human life. That feels uncomfortable to me. Or I have doubts about God. You know, is he really good? Does he really provide good things for me? And so then I just come up to the bottom line excuse for me is I'm just not enough. I'm not enough the way I am uh, for God to love me. And, and, and I think as we, we listen to these white noises and tease them apart, whether it's a list of all of our icks and yishes and looks in our life or, or whether it's actual sentences we hear when we pause. That identification of these lies is, I think, the first step in undoing mm -hmm. them. Well, and you just pointed to something so critical. I feel like even in my own experience that pinpointing the lies is one thing, but being able to receive the truth, receive God's love and actually allow that to soak in mm -hmm can be extremely scary. And I think for myself, where that can come from is just when receiving from people has been unsafe, or there's been some disruption in relationships that make receiving feel uncomfortable, mm -hmm. that we just start attributing that, that to God. And it's difficult in writing the situation to think firstly, no, how does God really think about me? And then what does he want to give me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. as you had mentioned in the book that you had an experience where God had encouraged you to mm -hmm. receive. And I thought that was just so brilliant. I just like, I listen to them always in audiobooks, And so I'm hearing your voice. Oh, tell this I'm story. haunting you in your sleep now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh my gosh, me too. I felt like I was having a conversation with you, Good. but I wanted to know if you would highlight that part of your own experience in what it meant to start learning mm -hmm. to receive mm -hmm. God's love so that you could begin to see yourself rightly. I'm remembering, it, it, it was kind of like a dream, but it was also maybe God revealing gently to me uh, in, in a time when I was in therapy. 
how I viewed myself. And I had this image where there was a little girl, she was maybe five or six years old. And she was in a bathroom stall in a public bathroom, cowered up against the back wall. She was kind of messed up and dirty. She had an old fashioned 1950s when I grew up dress. Um, her socks were all wrinkled and fallen down on her ankles. Her, her knees were scuffed up. Her hair was stringy. Um, she seemed bruised. She seemed dirty. And I didn't know what to do with her. Okay, just hold that in, in your heart. Throughout therapy, and I'm talking at least a decade, you know, I'm probably in my 30s, into my 40s. I kept lifting layer after layer and realizing, yeah, I didn't feel loved. And I felt an inordinate amount of shame about myself. Had I been abused? Oh, couldn't really figure some of that out. And sometimes we can't, guys. We're looking for some specific disastrous memory or tragedy or trauma and we can't go being it's more of this pervasive sense of being rejected okay my, my parents were divorced when I was five and my dad left and my mom struggled with alcohol so you know the best I could figure out is there were a lot of layers and a, not much protection for me as a child um, I was five when my dad left then way on into my 50s late 50s one day I was in church and one of my pastors, and we go to kind of a normal community church. <laughs> one of my pastors is like super into spiritual things of God. And we were singing worship songs and he came up to me and he bent down to my ear and he said, God has something for you that you've never received from him. And he wants you to receive it. And I'm like, what? And that took another two or three wow. years to go, what was that about? <laughs> Until one day I was on a walk and that word came back to me from my pastor. And I remembered yet another moment when my mother was dying, some at that point, probably 15, 20 years before. And I had flown to her bedside. My younger brother was already there. My older sister had not yet arrived. Um, my brother had been there and she had reached up and said, oh, I love you. And I thought that was cool. And my sister arrived the next day. My mother reached up and said, oh, I love you. And I realized after she died, she never said that to me. And I craved it. I knew she loved me, but I thought, why didn't she say it to me? And on my walk, as I thought about Pastor Richard's words, God has something for you that you've never received everything kind of came together. And I realized my mother never told me that she loved me in that moment because I wouldn't let her. I didn't reach my hand out to her the way my siblings had. I instead said, I love you mother, I'm taking care of you mother. And I hadn't allowed myself to be open to receiving from her. So taking that all the way back to the bathroom stall, you know, the Lord really directed me that that little girl there was me. And could I gather her up myself and love her the way he loves me, receiving from him the love he has for me and loving myself the way he loves me? Could I stop this rejecting because I'm so shameful and bad and the big exception and if he only knew kind of stuff, could I pause, let him love me 
and then learn to love myself back with the love that he'd given. There's therapy 101. <laughs> wow, that's so powerful. And I think I think it's really good though. And I've you've given this illustration. I know many other people have written about the illustration and just the discussion about looking at ourselves as a child and seeing mm-hmm. ourselves in those really vulnerable places and starting the reset there. We yeah. can have so much compassion, I feel like, for ourselves in our youngest years. Yeah. And we're still that person though we're still that child to God and so if we go all the way back there and have compassion for ourselves there it's so much easier to apply it to where we're at in our walk right now yeah and when we get stuck Michelle and and your audience is single moms okay mostly there's others but you know mainly okay when you get stuck there I don't care how old your child is, (laughs) whether it's a baby or a teenager or a grown human being walking around, find that baby picture of them that you adore and stare at it and let that love well up in you. And then imagine that baby, that young one being you and let that love well up. A mother can't really help but love her child at some point in their existence, you know. So so let that speak to you and train you to harness those feelings towards yourself. Oh, I love that. That's such a, and I, I feel like that's such a tangible example. We could just go into the box of photos and find that one. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> favorite so one or on your phone or wherever it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned that when we do allow God to love us, that when we allow ourselves to receive his love, and then we can finally start to see ourselves the way that he sees us in all aspects. And so that might be our personalities, mm-hmm. that might be our giftings, mm-hmm. um, our influence. And you go through many of those things in the book. But in, in that, though, is also accepting our physical bodies mm-hmm. and our physical appearance mm-hmm. and beauty and uniqueness. And that is difficult yeah. for most women. So... When we really do, though, allow that love to start to shift the way we think about all pieces of ourselves, Mm -hmm. how then does the way that we approach our physical body then change? I, I felt like I needed to redefine beauty altogether, Michelle, because we have such a distorted view. It's like a fun house mirror, you know, or a distortion mirror, those crazy emojis on your phone where you, you know, you, you put that app in and you turn into a panda or whatever, or a monster. You know, it, it, we have these filters that change our view of who we are. And we do that with beauty. And, and so I, I thought, you know, beauty is more than this kind of full-lipped, you know, beasting lip, kind of gorgeous body, flowing California hair, whatever image, it's more. And so I look at five elements and there were voice, which is our unique personality and vessel, which is our physical body. Um, Let me see. I I think I said scar, which is your painful story, sway, which is your unique, um, your unique influence and womb, which is your creative potential, whether it's in children or other things you create. And so when we look at those, to redefine each one of those five elements, my mind was blown at looking at how different beauty is when I looked at it through the lens of scripture and through God's filter. But to go back to physical beauty, here's where I got really powed. Um, 
Vessel is the word that I used for our physical element. And I chose the word vessel because a vessel is a container. So think for just a second, if you walked into your bathroom, this is always a fun experiment. You know, and if you're married or you have a partner, you're gonna look over and you're gonna see the man's stuff. There's like three things. There's <laughs> like shaving cream mm -hmm. and mouthwash and the toothpaste, right? Right. <laughs> On the woman's <laughs> side, there's like 492 things, you know. It's all, an entire drugstore. <laughs> all the jams and jellies for our faces, all the first aid things for the whole fam, you know, all the, the cleaning supplies to disinfect everything every single thing today, you know, and I started looking at vessels and I thought, what's the purpose of this vessel? It's to give access to what it contains. So the square box that contains your cotton balls or the tube that you roll up from the bottom or squeeze in the middle, whichever personality type you are, toothpaste, or, you know, or the, the, the soap dispenser, you know, that you, it's all to give you access to the contents, right? Guess what, y'all? You know, our vessels contain what? What does the human vessel contain? You know, we talked about it just a minute ago, the Imago Dei, the image of God. God created us human. He created us male and female. He created us in his image. We house, we contain his essence. We contain his being. That's what the apostle Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians, where he says, your body is a temple. It holds the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now, when I back up and I look at this body, which is made of flesh and curve and muscle and brain and these elements and think, but the main purpose of my vessel is to contain God and to give others access to him. It becomes a lot less important if I'm 25, 50 pounds overweight or 25, 50 pounds underweight. It becomes a lot less important if my roots are showing or not, or if I have wrinkles or I don't, or if there's a scar in my being, or if I have some kind of blemish or deformity. All those things become a lot less important because they actually become, if you can, um, accessories to my vessel, uniquenesses to my vessel, um, unique expressions of who God is in me and what he's allowed in me and what he's done through me. And so instead of rejecting my vessel, I, I can learn to appreciate it, embrace it, and show it as giving others access to him. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that too, because I think we think so often of our bodies as what it looks like versus mm -hmm. what it allows or what it what we can do. And so I think of it as, as you say, a container where if even I just think of the hands and feet and the things that your physical body allows you to give and receive in that sense, and those opportunities, then as you said, what it looks like as it changes, as it shifts, those things almost even then become these badges of, of honor of yeah the life, the journey that I've lived. And I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose it's a lot of with media and all that kind of stuff that we've been conditioned to really only think about what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And 
I think though, too, there's a commonality if we realize that we all struggle with this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> that there's mm-hmm. so much more uh, power in joining together as women and pushing back against that. Because that's really a lot of where that hiss comes from and pushing oh, back against. You know, Michelle, one of the things I love to talk about is we need to talk about beauty with each other. And in the book, Hello Beautiful, I have seven free videos online at alisamorgan.com and downloadable discussion questions. So you can do this as a book study with others because when we read and study this topic for ourselves, the hiss just continues. Well, this isn't talking about you, Elisa. You know, Michelle, this isn't for you. You know, you're ugly. But if I look at you, Michelle, and you start going, well, you know, I'm not so great. And, you know, God doesn't, I'm going to go, uh-uh, sweet pea. Yeah. You know, I'm going to hold up a different mirror to you and go, you're not going there. I'm going to hold you accountable and go, sweet pea, dear one, my girl, you know, let's look at yourself differently. And you're going to do the same for me. I don't know why we're so brutal to ourselves. And yet we can be, sometimes we're brutal, but we can be gracious to one another. And, and there's a beauty in that, isn't it? If we can help each other see ourselves the way God sees us. Absolutely. And I think there's, it's poignant that Eve, when she was deceived, was sort of sequestered and pulled off by herself. And so she's off in the corner by herself and that hiss is in her ear. Those lies have such a greater propensity to take over. So true. But if we can get away from being isolated and can find commonality with other women that can speak truth into us that we can stop fixating. I think that's the thing too is, yeah, if you want to put makeup on and celebrate what you have, do it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to, if you want to take care of your body and keep it as strong and and as well functioning as possible, Mm -hmm. do those things. But always, always, always know that that's not where your worth comes from. And that's not where, that's not even the main focus of what your body is for or what it can do. Mm. And just having that community helps us, I feel like, to just Mm -hmm. bring it all back around. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If we can learn to look at our um, imperfections as revelations of our need. And when we have revelations of our need, then we have the opportunity to give them to God and ask him to meet them. You know, when everything's all battened down, band-aided up, you know, we just move along on our own power and strength. When we're on our back with our legs in the air, you know, it's like help. And that's when we can actually receive the kind of help and strength that we need. Yeah, that's so good. Oh, that's incredible. I'd like to pause from our conversation just for a quick second to tell you about our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that's available to you on the go through an app. And in that app, you can chat with a counselor, you can schedule video sessions, and maybe get to the bottom of some of the issues that you may have been dealing with when it comes to fully accepting and loving yourself. If you've been thinking about Christian counseling and want to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month if you go to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. Talk to me a little bit then to how you've seen this play out with various women that you've been in community with and that you've walked with as far as our sexuality is concerned. Because as single moms, many of us have felt 
rejected or cast off. Um, And that's where a lot of that concern about our beauty and our physical appearance really comes back into the focus. And you talk a little bit about the fact that that can either make us really back away from sexual expression or our sexuality. um, And then it could go the opposite direction as well. Mm. So how do we get that into the right space? Yeah. um, I think we tend to have what's called a dualistic view of our bodies that there is this spiritual side and this physical side and never the twain shall meet you know the two just don't go together so in other words we use our body as a container of god's essence and we use our god our body for physical functions like eating and digestion and sex and etc you know and there's something broken in that understanding because god is all of our body you know, and I just really quickly ran through those elements of the vessel, which is flesh and muscle, curve and brain. And all of those integrated make us sexual beings as well. Curve was the one I kind of focused in on in terms of our femininity, in terms of our sexuality, in terms of our womanhoodness. But, you know, I have I have several friends who are like super developed in their brains, you know, and that they will confess to me that's where I put all of my all of my attention is on my brain and my my physical flesh is like fine, my curve is like fine, but my brain is sharp. And and others of us, you know, may, may focus on our muscle, how strong we are. I remember reading an article by Pink, who started out the musician who started out as a gymnast and how much she enjoyed her physicality. And sometimes she still does performances where she'll do a a ribbon thing dangling from the ceiling and it's crazy to look at her strength. Well, each one of those elements informs who we are, but none of them is sufficient in, in itself. Our sexuality is expressed as we bring all of those elements together, integrated into who we are. So yeah, it's tough in this world when our society tends to spotlight sexuality as above all those other things. And therefore you need to have all these ingredients in order to be a sexual being. But the reality is we are sexual in addition and with the integration of those things. Most of us have great sexual wounds as well that need gentle, clear healing attention. You know, whether it's an overexpression of our sexuality or an underexpression of our sexuality or a confused, hidden expression of our sexuality. I guess what I want to say is you're not alone. Well, and I think you pointed to something very specific that there's a lot of wounds for Mm -hmm. a lot of us dealing with that. And it can make us run away from it, make Mm -hmm. us run into it and being able to see ourselves and our own wounding again, the way that God sees it influences the way that that then is expressed, whether it's sexuality or. Yeah. Michelle, if you go back to how I expressed this myself as a little girl and how much I, I learned I needed to receive God's love for me and then love myself, that same thing is true in our sexual expression. You know, if we're coming from a place of great hollow, great shame and need, it's very difficult not only to love another, but to bring ourselves fully to the expression. And we tend to berate ourselves then. And oh, you know, we have to have the goals and I didn't achieve the perfect moment. And, you know, instead of 
was this about? Let me come in and love myself here. Let me take small risks and listen to myself. There, there's a lot of healing that can happen in that way. Well, I think the biggest thing at play there too is there's vulnerability in that and vulnerability can be really scary. Mm -hmm. And so we're either saying, I don't want to even touch this subject. I'm just going to like button it all up and pretend it doesn't exist. Or I'm going to, you know, distract myself in other ways, or I am going to overcompensate. I'm still not going to be vulnerable, but I'm going to look like I am and I'm going to run, you know, I'm going to run over this thing. Oh, I can totally be there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we really have yeah. to, yeah. to allow ourselves, though, mm-hmm. to go through that process of looking at what has happened to mm-hmm. us and allowing God to shine his light and his love over it. And this actually brings me to your discussion about scars and woundedness. And the way that you approach this was very life changing for me mm. in the sense that scars and brokenness and hurt and all of these things just seem to be so powerful mm-hmm. and they seem to be so defining as mm-hmm. far as our identities mm-hmm. are concerned. Uh, they seem to give us an impression that we are disqualified, unlovable, whatever the, mm-hmm. the word is, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, the feeling. Um, but again, these are things that we can shift that lens. We can silence that hiss and we can start to see that experience differently and it can mean something different. So would you describe a little bit more of that approach that you have towards our, our woundedness and our brokenness and how you got there? Yeah. Yeah. You know, all of us probably have a scar on our body someplace. Sometimes it's an interesting thing to use as an icebreaker in a small group and everybody show a scar and tell the story of it. And sometimes that's like funny. And sometimes it's like, ah, didn't mean to go there, you know, super painful. Um, On my wrist, I have a scar that happened um, when I was about three or four years old. I saw a beautiful butterfly in the backyard and I ran into the house hollering for my mom because I wanted to get a jar so I could catch it. And she wasn't right in the kitchen. And so I found a jar in the bottom drawer and I ran back to the, the patio and I tripped and I fell and the jar broke and it cut my wrist. And I can remember being in the emergency room and, you know, how terrifying it was. And they're sewing up my arm. And so now I can still trace that scar right here on my wrist. And I know the story of it, of the butterfly that got away, of the fact that if it had been just a tiny bit in a different spot, I might have lost use of my hand. That my parents, who were still married, both carried me to the hospital and supervised as it was sewn up that a policeman came through and said little girl you need to be quiet you're making too much noise screaming and the story of a scar and I know that story and I can get stuck in that moment of the trauma or I can move myself into the story of the redemption of healing of the what else happened, you know, because scars can define us. As you said, they can disqualify us, you know, our broken marriage, our, our mistakes, um, the, the violations we've had happen to us, the violations we have assaulted on others. These things can define us and disqualify us. We think, well, God's never going to use me because I look at this wound. But when we place those broken things in God's hands, I really believe he can actually further qualify us because we understand pain in a different way. And and others can be attracted to the fact that we have compassion 
and empathy, having being able to be in their shoes and we understand the pain. There's a difference between, you know, a blemish, which is something that I, I think kind of happens in our body. You know, it could be a, uh, a birthmark. It could be a, a diminishment, a disability, a disease, and a wound, something that has been traumatically incurred on us by the hands of another, or maybe by your own hand as well. And I think doing our work to understand our scar story means understanding, am I responding to, as we talked about with our vessel, the uniquenesses that God's allowed in my life? I have cystic fibrosis, I have cancer, I have um, lost babies. These realities or woundings, I've, I've been abused, I've been deeply wounded, I've been beaten, whatever it might happen to be, I was raped. Um, as we process those, these scars then can tell a story, a story of great brokenness, but a story of what God can bring into our brokenness. And that can be sometimes the most pivotal and influential offering we may have in this life. I, I, I just so resonate with that because yeah, that's yeah. really where, if I think about Agape Moms, the community mm -hmm. podcast, all of these things that are, are going on, I'm still in the middle of the story. Yes. I, you know, very often you think if you start something sort of like this, that, oh, you're the expert, you're the leader, you know, <laughs> you're, you're ahead of everybody. Uh, and I'm like, I'm, I'm five minutes ahead of her and five minutes behind her. It's <laughs> a great way to put it. That's a great way. Yeah. To put it. But it's, I think it's, um, but it's powerful though, that again, those scars are places that the enemy would love for us to just say, mm -hmm. this is a reminder of you blew it, or this is mm -hmm. a reminder of this happened to you. And God has just shown me just incrementally little bits over the way that when you look at this though, you could also see my redemption of the situation. I could, you could see the redemption of your life. You mm -hmm. could see my love poured over you. You could see how much growth you've had, mm -hmm. how, how you have changed for the better because of this circumstance. And while we would all love to look at those things and say, I wish it didn't happen. Sure. Absolutely. It's actually getting me to a point though, where I realized I couldn't be as healed as I am. Had I not had that, mm -hmm. had I not gone through those things. Yeah. And it's useful as, as you've become, I think it's stunning. I don't know when it hit me, but it did. It's just blows your mind to think Jesus was raised from the dead with the scars of the cross still visible in his hands. God didn't take away the scars when he raised him from the dead. You know, in fact, Thomas puts his hands and Jesus guides his hands to his side where another scar is. It's like the scars of Jesus demonstrate God's love for us. And so when we want to while away ours or cover ours up, you know, I've, I've run into women who are cancer survivors or, you know, have had C-sections or you name it. And they're like, their scar is their badge. It's their badge of honor. You know, it's my, my amazing testimony of God's faithfulness in me. Well, you know, that's kind of what Jesus did with his scars. They became the vehicle that tell the story mm -hmm. of our brokenness mm -hmm. and his rescue of us. Pretty darn that's powerful, so you know? Good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, then it's evidence in that case, but we can only 
go to the place of allowing that scar to be a testimony when we have allowed God to change the way we think about it, which means we have to see it the way that he does. And he God. sees those places as opportunity for his love to just mm-hmm. be poured in and poured out where if, you know, if we don't, if we just let the enemy and the hiss, you know, tell us how to define that, yep. then we, we don't get the richness of, of the second half of the story. I feel like. <laughs> right. That's right. And, and we need to give it time to be written too. That's, oh, that's so true. It's so true. We want to be there like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> so as we start to shift into this though, so I like in your book, you break up the sections as hello, then beauty, then full. And that this leads us into full living. Mm. And we can go from places where we may not even realize we are actually walking around expecting empty in our lives mm. and we don't have to do that. Yeah. So detail that for us that, you know, how we can figure that out. This is more his stuff, more hissy thinking. Honestly, it's so crazy. You know, we, we think that full, you know, the full, beautiful life, Jesus says in John 10, 10, I've come that you would have life to the full abundant life is, is how it's often translated. And we think, cool, but real fullness. So that's like for George Clooney or Kim Kardashian or, you know, Adele or somebody. And it's not, it's not for me, you know, hiss, hiss, hiss. <laughs> and you know what is so wackadoodle here is that the words right before John 10, 10, at the beginning there are the thief comes to steal and kill you know, and rob, destroy, but I, but I have come to give you life to the full. So right there in Jesus' words is this awareness that the the evil one, the hiss is going to want to steal full from us, but he came to give us full. So when we think about any concept, whether it's beauty or faith or hope, okay, attach the word full to it, beautiful, faithful, Hope, full. You know, God came to give us all of those qualities, not just a little sip, not just a little bitty bitty bit, and then you get to rest in heaven or something. You know, no, you get it all. You get it all right now if we learn to listen to where the hiss is lying to us. No, you can't have that. If we learn to tune into that and go, not true. No, I get to have it all. That's a whole different way to live. It really is. I think that's such an incredible strategy too. When we can just start looking at those lies and go, uh-uh, mm-hmm. I see you. Mm-hmm. I see what you're trying to mm-hmm. do. I'm not buying into mm-hmm. that. Then it becomes so much easier. And I find that's even just within a relationship with myself or relationship with other people, wherever those lies start to get, or that rejection starts to try and, and creep back up that we can realize that's just a trick. It's just a tool. Mm-hmm. And then it makes it so much easier to say, I'm not falling for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me give you some, just some practical ways to, to seal this in. Um, one story, and we'll use this as the backdrop for everything, but do you, do you, you might remember the, the, the report that when John the Baptist baptized Jesus, Jesus dipped down into the Jordan River and came back up and there was a voice from heaven and a dove descended and the voice said, this is my beloved son. With him, I'm well pleased. Wow. You know, love that. Here's the thing. That's Jesus, I know. But when we're in relationship with God through Jesus, God sees us through Jesus. 
God sees us through Jesus. So it's as if when Jesus dipped down and came back up, and then we dip down in a relationship with God and come back up, it's like God pronounces over us, this is my beloved daughter, fill in your name. With you, I'm well pleased. This is my beloved daughter, Elisa. With you, I'm well pleased. This is my beloved daughter, Michelle. With you, I'm well pleased. Brenda, Brianna, Yolanda, Sandy, Deborah, whoever you are, this is my beloved daughter. With you, I'm well pleased. And that's something I really try to carry about with me. Okay, here's another one. We think to ourselves, we get up in the morning, we pat into the the bathroom when we pick up our toothbrush and we're just like oh my gosh look at this you know and you know we just move and we go to the grocery store and we look in the rear mirrors we're pulling out of our driveway and we think you are such a loser look at your hair and we we catch a glimpse of ourselves walking by the storefront and we see this bumpy lumpies in our butt area we think why do we have to look that way and then we come back and we're washing the dishes and we catch a glimpse of ourselves at night over the kitchen window we look so tired and then we're brushing our teeth just ugly 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 and we get up the next point what if we got up each day and as we're brushing our teeth we imagine jesus standing right next to us going hey girl looking good today what if we put a sticky on our mirror that says, you look beautiful, signed Jesus. But what if when we get in the car, we imagine he's in the, the passenger seat next to us. And, and if when we're walking in the store, he's got his arm around us and we're going there. And, and what if when we just lie back down at night after a long day and we've done the dishes, we imagine him going, awesome day. You're looking awesome. You're doing awesome. What if we do that? Because he is Emmanuel, God with us all time, 24 seven. Just some ideas that we don't have to do this alone and we don't have to listen to that hiss. We can retrain ourselves to see ourselves the way God sees us through Jesus. I love that. I'm I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna get a sticky, I'm gonna put it right on my my mirror because and you know, it's and let's be real, like many of us, I mean myself included, I'm a single woman. And so you kind of feel a little bit on display, a little mm-hmm. bit vulnerable. And mm-hmm. so, you know, for example, I've been told unkind things by people that I've met about my appearance. And I have been told kind things. You know, there's both. Yeah. Um, but I should not. And I've had to learn this through the, you know, the hard way, but do not need to attach anything to those commentaries because very often that has to do with their own view of themselves and their own insecurity. And the only one who gets to give me any commentary about (laughs) what I look like (laughs) is the one who made it. (laughs) So if I imagine him as I'm just brushing away, like, Hey, Jesus, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's so, I feel so, you know, it's so so much easier to, I'd, I'd rather look through that lens of myself mm-hmm. than the lens that the world would present to me. And whether that's through media, through other people's opinions, you know, those kind of things that, um, the, yeah, I just so much rather see it through, through Jesus's eyes, but we don't, I don't know. I always think about why don't we ever think that? Why don't I ever think about if I know God is with me, why don't I ever think about him? in the passenger seat. Yeah, <laughs> well, think it's about like we, way farther we, away. we go to the mirror to make an evaluation and we need to look at the true mirror mm-hmm. and back down to the mirror. 
you know, that that's really what the real issue is. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. At least I, and I'm so thankful that you gave us that practical perspective because I feel like it's like, sometimes these things are like, okay, great. That's yeah. great. I should <laughs> think that way, but how do I get there? <laughs> and it's just little things like that. That's so good. And I think those are things that we can teach to our kids, mm. our daughters, our sons. No, no kidding. Um, Amen. As we embrace them ourselves. Alisa, I so appreciate your, the always just in our conversations, so much wisdom and perspective, and it really helps me to settle mm. and to just take on the next, next moment, next day, next challenge. Nice. nice. <laughs> and nice. I settle in a good way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, but, I got you. So, settle down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Relax. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's all right. So mm. as far as, you know, wrapping this conversation with a little bow, you know, if there's a woman there who's mm-hmm. trying to get though to that settled place, what's one thing mm. as we wrap this conversation yeah. that you would want her to know? I'm just going to share a little story. Um, my grandmother was amazing and a great influence in my life. So remember that uh, grandmothers make a huge difference sometimes. She was a knitter and a quilter and a seamstress. In fact, she won some little contest at the state fair in Texas when she was like 18 years old. But she would, for special occasions, create some kind of handmade object for each of us, her grandkids, and present it to us. And, and one time, I remember it was a mohair sweater. One time it was a quilt, you know, just different things. But always she would attach to the item a little tag that she would sew in that would say, handmade with love for you by Mana. That was what we called her, M-U-N-N-A, Mana. That was our grandma name for her. And I would always turn immediately when I got the item and look at that because it just made me feel so special. And so what I want to say to all of us is that you are handmade with love by God, preciously crafted, knit together, created you by God. And nothing can change that. Nothing can take it away. Nothing can remove it. Nothing can redefine it. It's for you to simply recognize and receive. And when we understand that if kind of we're going to turn around to the back of that mohair sweater and pull it back and look at the tag, there would be a tag that reads handmade for you with love by God. I love that. I love you so your word pictures are just, they always just click these things right <laughs> to my, to God. my just right into my spirit. I appreciate it so much. Alisa, I want to know if you would tell listeners how they can just get in touch with you. You betcha. So just go to elisamorgan.com. It's E-L-I-S-A morgan.com. I have a blog that comes out every week. We love to have guest writers, women, and help you platform your voice. Michelle has written for us. Others have written for us. But if you're interested, you can check out the links there. But you can subscribe. There's a box right on the homepage to the Really blog that comes out every Tuesday. You can also check out um, our radio program, Discover the Word, that I do for our daily bread, or the podcast that I do with Erin Eddy, amazing young woman. We're of different generations called 
God hears her. And then books like what we're talking about today, Hello Beautiful and other things I've written. Like I said, Hello Beautiful has, um, it has seven video teachings that you can download and you can also get the questions and do in a group. So maybe check out some of those resources, but I'd love to stay in touch with you and see how we can continue this journey as we also support the Christian Single Moms podcast and Agape Moms. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support, Lisa, and for joining me for this conversation today. I so appreciate you. So if you're going to be alone on Valentine's Day like me, I just hope that you will be able to take some things from this conversation and maybe really embrace yourself over that holiday. Take yourself out, have a nice dinner, and spend some time with God just enjoying the things that He's put inside of you. Maybe if you're a creative person, you work on a creative project, or if you live in a place where the weather is nice and you like the outdoors, that you have some quiet time to yourself. But in all of it, I just pray that this issue with beauty that so many of us wrestle with would just be settled somewhat in you seeing yourself the way that God sees you and being able to walk in that and enjoy it. As we wrap up today, I want to point you to some resources in the show notes. You can find us over at Facebook or Instagram at Agape Moms, and you can also request to join our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective, where you can connect with other single moms. Additionally, I have launched a weekly video devotional series that takes things that we're learning here on the podcast, and I walk you through a guided meditation in order to reflect on God's word about these subjects and maybe explore a little bit deeper layer of healing in that. And you can discover those and receive notifications when they become available by subscribing to the Agape Moms YouTube channel. I know this conversation may have left you with some mixed feelings, maybe some excitement about exploring yourself, but also some exposure to some of the vulnerabilities that you felt around the subject of beauty. And as you continue to work through those, I just pray that you would know completely that you are seen and you are beloved. Mm -hmm.